This is the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, a podcast brought to you by two physical therapists devoted to helping physical therapists and other healthcare providers become better educators to patients, students, the community, and each other by interviewing prominent and passionate people within the realms of healthcare and education. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast is intended literally for educational and entertainment purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based on only one source, and therefore, this podcast should not be used as personal medical advice. While care has been taken to ensure accuracy, occasionally, mistakes and factual errors can be present, as we are only human. This is our journey on the road to becoming better educators, so get ready with your pen and paper as class is about to begin. I'm going to kind of pivot and shift and change directions again one more time. For some of our audience members who are not aware of what the Stan Haiti Project is, do you guys think you could give us some background on the Stan Haiti Project and um, how it operates? Man, can I ever. So STAND is an acronym that stands for Sustainable Therapy and New Development. And our goal, even though, I mean, you stated most of our mission statement in the intro, but our goal is basically to establish permanent access to rehab in Northern Haiti. And the majority of what we do right now is to bring volunteer teams that are primarily physical therapists, but also consist of general medical practitioners, orthotists, and prosthetists to the country. And we treat for about two weeks at a time. The other side of what we do is we are working on educational aspects in the country. At this point in time, physical therapy as a profession is not even recognized by the country. And there is something like 50 PTs that were trained outside of Haiti that exist in the country of millions. So it's tricky in terms of starting at the ground and working our way up. You know, it's in other countries, it's different. It's training PTs up. But in Haiti, it's providing access to a care that has never, ever existed and in a community that has very, very little access to any care, not to mention physical therapy or medicine at all. So in the in the real-time active version, the biggest thing that we do is we take people with us. We set up camp for about two weeks in the clinic that we have year-round, and then we treat about 1,800 patients every two weeks. And while that sounds like a huge number, because it is, we work really hard and we play really hard. And we see conditions that are neurological. We see conditions that are orthopedic, which is probably like 85% of of our patient population. We do a lot of stuff. It's fun. And we have a full prosthetics lab. So we build legs for amputees. We bring out general medical providers and we treat infections. And we we have people that can set fractures and cast and set dislocations. And we do, we look at blood pressure and we, 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 and we screen red flags and get them into hospitals and surgical centers. And we have our, our pediatrics department. And we, I mean, we, we, we do kind of a little bit of everything, but, but at a really cool level. We do. And we have a lot of community outreach. Like we reach into the nursing school and we provide orthopedic lectures. That way, nurses that are coming out who can get jobs all over the country will at least have an idea about what to do with an ankle sprain so it doesn't become a chronic condition, what to do with a fracture so you don't end up with some crazy, crazy symptoms down the road that we end up seeing. Anyway, it's it's a big project and we have tons and tons of aspects to it and most of them don't actually show up in what volunteers see. But what we're basically trying to do is build physical therapy in some way, shape, or form in the country so that people have care. Because the people of Northern Haiti, actually the people of Haiti in general, just don't have access to any medical care. And they're living these lives that absolutely depend on physical movement. So we are the profession that needs to be there. Like we're the profession that has the most ability to make a difference. I got to get an applause for that one. That was, that was, that was incredible. (laughs) 
So guys, I'm sure you guys have noticed that educating that the patients and the clinical conditions and how you interact with patients in Haiti is very different than the U.S., but can you guys kind of expand on that in terms of kind of tell us how has educating patients in Haiti been and how is that different between how it's done in the U.S.? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, right? There's, I think there's, when, when I think about educating patients in Haiti, there, there's kind of two aspects. The first one is, most of them haven't had access to quality education just from a like a K through 12 standpoint. And a lot of them haven't had access to any health care. So there's, there's a very low baseline understanding of health and physiology among the Haitian population in the area that we treat. So, so I've got – there's kind of two aspects to that. One is that they really have no understanding of, of what's going on in their body and normal healing times and infections and fevers. And, you know, you get, you get stories where, you know, it's just a real easy example is like when I was 10 years old, I fell and I hurt my back. And then when I was 37, I was in a car accident. And then when I was 40, I got sick. So I've had back pain, knee pain and been sick my whole life. Right. So it's like whatever's going on seems to like culturally tie into every aspect of your entire life for your whole life. So it's really hard to to tease out causation and timelines and things like that. But the other thing that's really interesting is that w- without access to, to healthcare, I don't have patients coming in with x-ray of their knee saying that they've got bone-on-bone damage and they don't know what physical therapy is going to do because they need a knee replacement. Or I've got this L5 degenerated disc and I'm afraid because my spine's unstable and I don't know what to do, right? It's kind of like a clean slate. It's almost easier to get patients not to fear their body in Haiti than it is here in the U.S. Concur. And then on the clinician side, while there aren't actual physical therapists in Haiti yet, when we go and teach at the nursing school, it's a very different element than teaching in the United States. And I would say that there are two aspects to that. And the number one is you're always teaching through a translator. And no matter what you say, and no matter how freaking amazing your translator is, there will always be things that are lost and always aspect that you're not sure how they come across. And that's tricky. It's just very difficult. And the other one is actually very similar to the patient education side. And that's just underlying baseline education. You know, nurses in Haiti, nurses in other countries, like it's difficult to know exactly what they know. When you're in the United States, there is a basis for care, a basic knowledge of anatomy and physiology and what happens in the human body that we assume that most medical professionals have. Now, granted, I've treated other medical professionals that I've wondered where they got their training, but all the same. In Haiti, it's difficult to know because the education behind Mm. care is different than the United States. And so it's really hard to know where people are starting out. And so the ability to translate what you want beyond the language is just is difficult because sometimes the underlying baseline knowledge is really different. It's a tricky thing. And we're working on it. We're trying hard. But I would say, you know, very honestly, it's hard to know how successful we are at times because of the language barrier and the lack of a platform of education and access to information. So guys, I'm going to switch topics now and kind of go back to education in general with from a DPT program. So I know this is a big hypothetical, but if you guys could add one mandatory class to all DPT programs with choices including business, clinical reasoning, a specific class of manual techniques, and that could include manipulation, dry needling, uh, mobilizations with movements, McKenzie method, um, going through movement, something like the SFMA, 
you know, exercise, pain science, how to talk with patients or something else, which subject would you guys choose and why? I'm going to I'm going to use different words, but I feel like it falls into like maybe a combination of two of the things you said, but I really feel like we should be trained much more specifically. I don't think we're trained at all in it. Is is motivational interviewing techniques. There is no better way to get to the baseline of understanding how your patient believes their current status than through motivational interviewing. But more importantly, there's no better way to get to the beginnings of behavior change and getting your patient on board than some some solid motivational interviewing techniques and really just kind of trying to figure out what's going on and then get the patient to, to tell you what they believe and then use their beliefs to kind of shift their beliefs and motivate their action plan to change their behavior. So I think that if, if all of us were trained in that, we would be much better clinicians day one with our out the door with our license. So I'm going to take that, take that just a step further. So I, when I was in PT school, I wish that we had more psych. But to be honest, now that I'm out of PT school for over a decade, I think that, that it wouldn't have actually been helpful when I was in school. I really believe that there needs to be more of a psychological aspect, more pain education, more motivational interviewing, more of understanding humans and how they actually function versus just how their body functions from a physical standpoint. But I also think that that education should be mandatory one to two years out of school. Because I think that when you're a student, you don't have the framework to understand why it matters. And that's a big thing. You know, it's like when you don't know where it fits in your practice, when you're overwhelmed with everything else, I don't know that it can sink in. I don't know that you know how to apply it. And I think that if there was a mandatory requirement of you are 18 months out of school, you are 24 months out of school, you now need to take courses A, B, and C or that fit requirements A, B, and C, it would be a lot more effective because clinicians would have enough experience that they could take that life lesson, life learning aspect from those years of practice and actually allow that new information to shape them instead of sort of fitting it into all the boxes that they've created from school that they don't really know like where they fit yet. Coming out of school, I felt like I should be able to, to bang out this objective as quick as possible and the magic lied in the objective and my magic hands and, and my magic eyes and my ability mm-hmm. to, to see all this really specific stuff and feel all this really specific stuff and use that to guide my treatment. Now that I've been out for a little while and actually spent time treating humans and not joints, what I've learned is that that the real magic lies in that first conversation and all the conversations that come from that. That's the thing that really guides my treatment. Whatever term we want to call it to teach people that that's, that's the direction practice needs to go, that's the course we need in PT school. Yeah. Wow. Those are some bold class choices. I love it. I love it, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to we like to wrap each show up with a, a question uh, that we ask all of our guests, and it's if you guys could change one aspect of healthcare education, DPT or otherwise, what aspect would that be, and how? Oh, I got this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so honestly, if I could take every healthcare profession and make them more active in the world of prevention, that would be amazing. And it's it's one of those things that I guess it, it spans beyond education because it's not like people don't know how to prevent injury, how to prevent diabetes, how to prevent high blood pressure, how to prevent cardiovascular compromise. The problem is we don't have a way to implement it. But I do wish that there was more emphasis on getting to the part of the population where we could just 
prevent it from happening and reverse the effects versus just being a treatment society. And I will say that this weekend at the Ice Sampler, Mike Eisenhart totally nailed it. And <laughs> and honestly, beyond beyond the fact that he nailed his talk and that aspect of things, like I felt honestly like rejuvenated by the idea that there was a way to do this. But I really think it has to come from the entirety of the healthcare system, not just physical therapists. And I think that as much as PTs, we really want to make this detailed diagnostic, treatment-specific, only rotate right type of treatment plan, we can make such a bigger difference if we just got to people a little bit sooner and worked on bigger health problems. So that's what I wish. Yeah, I think, uh, man, it's hard, it's hard to follow it's a, that up. It's a hard question, I'm too. Gonna, Morgan, Morgan's very, very macro on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to micro it down. <laughs> I think, to me, we're taught the biopsychosocial model, and we're taught people first language, and we're taught this stuff in school. But I think we're taught it in a way that it's like, it's like something that punishes us like if we do it backwards. Like if I say the, the knee pain patient, I lose points, right? Or I, I have to understand these things. I don't think we shift it into understanding it on the level of practice. I don't, I don't treat knees. I don't treat backs. I treat people with back pain. And I think if we could really understand the fact that, that we treat humans and we have to focus on the human to help them get through whatever their experience is currently, that would be the thing that I would change. I'm not sure what I would call that. But well, it's, it's people first language, but it's, it's really people first practice. We could call it Justin's people first practice. I, just, <laughs> I think that we've got to get away from treating joints and get back to treating humans. Hair, 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 hair. Great point. Great. great point. No, I think that's great. And you know, Morgan, I have to admit, this is now on the show. This is the first time that someone has said the same thing twice. What I mean by that is someone else in a previous episode uh, also said along the lines of population health preventative stuff. But guys, where can people find you online and with social media? Anyone can find us at Stan's website, which is www.standhadyproject.org. Not .com, .org. Both of our emails are on there, and otherwise, you can find us on Facebook. You can find Justin on Twitter, but not me. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, Dr. Dunaway DPT. I'm also faculty with the Institute of Clinical Excellence, and Morgan, Morgan will be as well. Morgan is bringing a... a... <laughs> it's, it's basically a primary care for physical therapists type of course to allow PTs to be able to do a greater level of testing and really understand some of the differential diagnosis stuff without it just being a referred to upper right quadrant must be the liver type of thing. So, yeah, so Facebook, Twitter, Dan the Haney Project and Institute of Clinical Excellence. Um, you can find us. You can find us in all those. Yeah. We live in Portland, Oregon, but just don't show up at our front door without warning. <laughs> yeah, we do. That was incredible. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was fun. Fantastic. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.